Hello friends, welcome to Living Well While Living Online, a production of Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio with me, your host, Tammy Riley. And today we get to head over to the Netherlands, to Amsterdam, to have a fabulous conversation with Shalana Porndexter. I am really looking forward to sharing our conversation with all of you. You get to see what happens uh, when you really live your dreams and you put them out there and you buy a one-way ticket. Uh, You never know what might happen. So please grab a cuppa, settle in, and tune in to this week's episode of Living Well While Living Online. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Living Well While Living Online. And today we're traveling across the globe to the Netherlands to a woman who I met at a spinning conference. Surprise, surprise. I know you know a lot of my my guests are part of my spinning family and spinning world. But um, this woman was just an incredible rock star. She's like a Wonder Woman figure to me. And as I follow her on Facebook, because you know that's how we all stay in touch these days, she has definitely been living her truest life. And and I'm going to say tackling all of her dreams and the bucket list items. And it's so lovely to see a human just, you know, do all of the things that she wanted to set out to do. So I admire her and I'm very excited to share Shalena Poindexter with you. Um, so Shalena, welcome. Thank you so much, Tammy. I appreciate the time. Uh, this is <laughs> fabulous to be able to reconnect. Uh, it's been, oh gosh, forever, it feels like, just because of the pandemic. So. Yeah. looking forward to when we we do get back to our spinning community so yeah for sure but what i love is that and you're going to tell us your little bio and, and how you ended up over in the netherlands but for people who don't know spinning actually has a headquarters over in the netherlands so there's a lot of amazing stuff that happens with our spinning family over there and you are right in the heart of it all. Indeed, and I uh, plan on joining the event in December, so I'm quite looking forward to that. Excellent. So I would love, we'll take a step back, for you to introduce yourself, you know, with whatever, you know, the the, uh, details of your life and how you ended up in the Netherlands today doing what you're doing. Okay, well, um, let's see. This is, this is so funny. This is actually the third time that I've lived in the Netherlands. Oh. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll go back. So my parents were in the military. My father was in the military. And mm. I was actually born in Texas on an Air Force base there. And then we had orders to come here to Schusterberg Air Base in the Netherlands. And so I actually lived here um, in my early stages of life. And uh, I spoke Dutch fluently as well as English. Oh, my gosh. Uh, however, um, my parents decided to split up and ended up getting divorced. And so my mom and I moved back to the U.S., um, to Texas. Uh, and then, um, yeah, so it was kind of just a split family thing. I didn't see my dad very frequently, but my father actually lived here in the Netherlands for, um, another 20 years. So he actually moved back to, um, the States in 2003. Mm -hmm. Um, it was my senior year in, uh, in college. So, excuse me. And, um, I also found out that I had a brother who is half Dutch, half American. So that was quite a pleasant surprise for me. So, um, yeah, another reason why I am here in the Netherlands now, but if I want to fast forward or fast forward through that, um, I, uh, 
graduated from Abilene Christian University in Texas in 2004 with a BBA in marketing and management, and then uh, moved about in uh, the United States a little bit, um, trying to find my way. I really wanted to work in college athletics, go figure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I uh, ended up moving to North Carolina, where I did an internship and then ended up coming back to uh, Texas to be the assistant director of athletics at my alma mater, where I got my master's as well. And then kind of just took the journey um, through college athletics, through different positions. uh, And for those people who don't really understand college athletics, many times to move up um, more quickly than staying where you're at is to go to another university. So I went to another uh, uni in um, New Jersey. And then I ended up moving to Florida, um, where I was the director of compliance at Florida Gulf Coast University, and then ended up getting out of college athletics and transitioned into a recruiting role um, for an executive search firm in Atlanta. And that's kind of where my official recruiting duties started. However, um, I've always worked in recruiting in conjunction with coaches or in, in cahoots with coaches. Um, throughout my athletic career. Um, So then uh, I was a recruiter for a bit and decided that that wasn't for me uh, because I really missed students. I missed the Mm. interaction with them. And so I ended up taking a role um, over in Bangladesh. And I moved to Bangladesh in August, let's see, of 2014. Um, I was a senior fellow at Asian University for Women in Chittagong. And uh, taught Zumba, believe it or not. And <laughs> oh my so- God. And then uh, I actually got quite sick because of my allergies. Um, for any of you all that know anything about uh, Bangladesh, it is a river delta. The entire country is. It's just to the east of India. And um, we had lots of issues with uh, our building, even though it was brand new. Uh, the infrastructure is lacking there. But anyway, I ended up moving from Bangladesh to the Netherlands, which is my second time that I lived here. Um, (laughs) Hopes was to stay here and be close to my brother and also to get a job, start life, et cetera. Um, As U.S. citizens, we have 90 days to kind of move about and uh, use those 90 days to do interviews. But unfortunately, I did not have a work permit And the positions that I was applying for, they did not provide work permits or work sponsorships. So ended up coming back to the U.S. and lived in Atlanta again. Um, From there, uh, I was introduced to the world of cycling in two different facets. I was already teaching spin, but uh, I ended up meeting a gentleman. (laughs) Go figure on (laughs) while I was doing an around the world trip. So one of my colleagues that I worked with in Bangladesh, she um, invited me to her wedding in Nepal because she's Nepalese. So I did a little around the world trip and made a pit stop in Kuala Lumpur. So (laughs) while I was in Malaysia, I met this gentleman who was an Ironman and I actually did not meet him in person we met uh, on the app and just continued to talk to one another. Um, I then made it my way back to the U.S. and we ended up talking for almost two months. And then we both were like, oh, it was such a bummer that we didn't get to meet each other. Uh, I'd love to meet you in person. 
And so we went halves on a ticket and I flew back to Malaysia for a weekend to meet him. <laughs> oh my gosh. Crazy. <clears throat> Definitely the first time I ever did anything like that. And from the first time, well, not from the first time, but from the moment I landed, uh, we figured out quite quickly that we were much better as friends than as lovers. Okay. Okay. So while I was there, it was really interesting because he had his triathlon bike as well as a regular road bike. And he was like, why don't you ride outside? And I said, I don't know. I just, I love teaching spin. And he was like, you have to ride outside. As a matter of fact, I never ride this road bike, so take it with you. So he gave me his road bike and I flew back to Atlanta from Kuala Lumpur with oh a bicycle. And uh, so starts my journey outdoors as a cyclist and um, ended up uh, working at a bike shop. I quit my corporate job. I was working for Kimberly Clark at the time in supply chain. Oh my gosh. And uh, yeah, it was just a random like, let's do this. And so I will say that was very much a turning point in my life because um, cycling and spinning have changed my life. Mm. And I'm not sure where I would be right now had I not accepted the offer to cycle outside. Um, so I started working at the bike shop, which then prompted me to start working or actually applying for a job with Trek Travel, as in Trek yes. Bicycle Company. Trek Travel is the, uh, it used to be the arm of Trek Bicycle Company that led cycling vacations, but is it is its own entity now. Um, but I was a cycling guide for Trek Travel for a bit and absolutely loved the opportunity to see uh, the places that I got to go and meet the people that I did. Wouldn't trade the experience for the world. Um, then the pandemic hit, hmm. uh, my contract was, uh, terminated at that point in time as everybody's was because nobody was doing anything, but I will back up for a moment. I was, um, working back in, uh, not college athletics, but college admissions. So I found my way back to the university just because I really, really loved students I really love students. Um, and so I was working at Lubbock Christian University in Texas. I was working remotely from Dallas and I was the uh, an admissions advisor there. And um, while I started, that was in January of 2020 when I started that role. In March of 2020, which obviously was the beginning of the pandemic, I uh, had already planned to come to the Netherlands and to Milan on holiday for three weeks. And lo and behold, Milan was the epicenter of the <laughs> pandemic. Well, ALM allowed me to, uh, to still come to the Netherlands, but they canceled the leg of my flight to Milan. So I came here thinking, okay, well, I'm going to be in the Netherlands for three weeks. This is going to be nice. And 72 hours later, I got back on a plane and flew back to the United States, standing at Schiphol International Airport, bawling my eyes out because I was leaving Amsterdam. Oh, no. When I landed back in Dallas, I said to myself, I'm done. I am moving to the Netherlands. Oh, my gosh. And so 
at that point in time, I just kind of told myself, okay, I am going to start applying for jobs. And as a backup plan, I'm going to apply for grad school. In the meantime, while we were sitting at home, wondering what was going to happen, uh, I got very heavily involved in another organization in which I am a member. It's called Internations. It is an expat community that is global. I believe it's in over 420 cities around the world. And I kind of just poured myself into that and became a consul. So I was a group leader um, for two different groups in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And um, yeah, that was how I occupied my time. I spent a lot of time working, obviously, uh, because my job was fully remote. So I spent a lot of time talking to students uh, via Zoom and parents via Zoom or phone calls. It was funny because it had been such a long time since I'd picked up the phone to talk to people. And, um, and then also spending time getting to know people around the world. Uh, who joined in on Zoom, and I made this internations family, which was really, really nice. Um, so then, uh, so we're talking, you know, this is into mid-2020, end of 2020. Um, I had applied for jobs, interviewed for jobs, and I was like, okay, not getting anything. Let me go ahead and fill out my, my grad school application. So I applied to three different universities here in the Netherlands and was turned down for two of them and was accepted at another one. Um, so um, being that I did not get uh, a job, when I received my acceptance letter from Tilburg University, um, it was April 8th, 2021. And April 8th just also happens to be my mother's birthday. <laughs> so sitting in the living room, actually, no, it was six o'clock in the morning. I remember this. I was laying in bed and I looked at my phone because I was looking at my email and I saw the acceptance letter come across and I just was like, oh my gosh, like completely elated. And it was seven o'clock Eastern time because my mother is in New York and, uh, I was like, ah, mom's up. I'm going to call her. So I called her and I was like, mom, happy birthday. And she was, we were chatting for a bit. And then I was like, hey, guess what? I have good news to share. <laughs> and I told her, guess what? I'm moving to the Netherlands. And she was just kind of in shock. <laughs> so she didn't really know that this was the plan up till this point. Yeah, pretty Oops. much. And so, uh, yeah, I am um, at that point. So April 8th was the decision day, if so to speak, um, there was no question I was moving to the Netherlands. So, uh, yeah. Um, my job with Lubbock Christian university was quite interesting because we had gotten a new VP, um, over, um, I guess you would say, I don't remember what her exact title was, but a new VP that was over admissions and financial aid. And she and I didn't really see eye to eye um, on many different topics. And so um, at the end of May, uh, I parted ways with Lubbock Christian University, which kind of just was perfect timing because mm -hmm. that gave me the month of June to kind of sell off my belongings that I didn't really need or want and uh, moved the remainder of my uh, household belongings or just whatever I had left of myself to my dad's house in Florida and uh, hung out for a month with my dad and went to our family reunion in North Carolina. 
And then I had a one-way ticket booked to Amsterdam the first week of August. And I have since been in this lovely country. Um, I completed my second master's degree in management of cultural diversity. I graduated this year on the 30th of September, 2022. Um, and yeah, I... Um, in the midst of my um, my degree, so I started in August of 2021, and I am 40 years old. At that time, I was 39, but um, I'm 40, and I was definitely thought that I was the oldest, but there's actually one person that was older than I, um, a woman from Brazil who had also come here for the program. She was 41, and we were the two oldest in the program, which was quite interesting because I would say that the average age was probably 25, 26. Oh so it's quite interesting to be mm -hmm. in a, a cohort with uh, such young, young people. But at the same time, uh, I go back to my days in college athletics and their energy gives me energy. Uh, it's just like when I teach a spin class, the energy from the class gives me energy. So it's, it was really nice to kind of be back as a student. Um, so I crammed actually all of my courses into the fall semester and applied for an internship um, at Kraft Heinz uh, in diversity and inclusion uh, here in Amsterdam. And uh, yeah, ended up getting the internship and uh, started in January of this year and did the six month internship from January until July. Uh, about halfway through the internship, I had a, uh, I guess, a performance review or kind of a midterm review with my mm -hmm. supervisor. And um, he kind of knew what uh, what I was looking for. And he, he was very honest with me and said, hey, there's not going to be a position on my team, but there may be other positions that you'd be interested in. So I started looking and applying. And uh I actually went through the interview process with uh, one company, uh, one organization that's outside of Kraft Heinz, and they actually did make me an offer, but it didn't work out. And that was at the end of June, or excuse me, the beginning of June, and uh, started the interview process with Kraft Heinz uh, at the end of April. And Kraft Heinz ended up offering me this position as a talent acquisition manager at the end of June, and I officially started mid-August. So. I have been here with Kraft Heinz uh, almost a year. Uh, it'll be a year in January. So yeah, and um, super happy living here in the Netherlands. I have no intention of moving back. So I guess people would probably ask why I moved to the Netherlands. Um, part of it was one, uh, I've always wanted to have a better relationship with my brother. I would say that we're friends. I did not meet him until I was 24 years old. So I've only known him for a short period of time. And I really wanted to work on having a relationship with him and his wife and my nephew. I, I think that's very important because it's something that I didn't get to grow up with. Um, and then the other part of it was that... Um, and I hate to make this a political issue, but being the child of, uh, or being a biracial child and parents that come from very different, differing cultures, um, dealing with racism in our country uh, at this point in time has been quite uh, nerve wracking, yeah. uh, sad, frustrating, 
there's a lot of different adjectives that I could use to describe it, but um, I definitely think that number 45 stirred the pot quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, yep. yeah, it was something that um, I wasn't happy with. And I, having lived in other places, I do realize that, you know, no place is perfect and every place has its own uh, bureaucracy and red tape and politics. But um, the fact that it is so in your face in the United States um, yeah, that's, that's the other main reason why I chose to leave. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I guess the, the whole point of this conversation is to, uh, say, well, what do we do to, uh, to take care of ourselves mentally and physically? Um, I will say that being here has brought me kind of a sense of peace. I um, love that. It's really nice because uh, for those of you that don't know the Netherlands, it is the land of bicycles. <laughs> I love getting on my bike, not necessarily in the city, but just there's bike paths everywhere across this country. You can just get on your bike and ride and it's wonderful. Um, there's so many things you don't have to worry about. I would just say the quality of life is so much better. Um, so... We, um, you ride your bike a lot, but you were also, we, so, you know, friends, we pre-chat before we flash the record button. (laughs) And one thing that I think is also really relevant in all of this with her love of cycling and being outdoors, and now you're in this idyllic place, but you've been sidelined off the riding for a while because there was a little bit of a bike crash and she's got some, she's literally Wonder Woman. She's got some bionic parts now and has been rehabbing. So I think if you could maybe just, you know, briefly say what happened, but I'm curious from, you know, your standpoint where you're there in your ideal world, riding bikes every day. And now you can't do that. So how is that impacting you or affecting you in either way, positive, negative, whatever? So, um, in August, it was actually my first week of work here at Kraft Heinz, my first official week as a, as the TA manager. Um, I was cycling with a friend of mine. It's actually a guy that I met uh, who was training for a triathlon. I met him and uh, he was like, hey, he was like, let's go cycle. And so like, I guess for almost a month, we had been cycling on a regular basis. And uh, one morning it had rained the night before. And so Mm -hmm. the next morning I was like, hey, are we still going to ride? He said, yeah, six o'clock in the morning and in the summer, because we're so far north, it's light super early. So, you know go out on our normal 50 kilometer, 60 kilometer route. And I don't even think we were 10 kilometers into the ride. And uh, I was just like, Hey, you know, be careful. There's a couple wet spots and uh, came around the corner too quick, I guess. And he hit some mud and knocked me down and I ended up falling. Um, He fell and fell into me and I fell and uh, hit the bike path at the perfect angle to shatter my elbow. So 10 days after that accident, I had surgery and had two titanium pins and wires put in my elbow to put it back together and uh, definitely sidelined from teaching spin, which is, oh my gosh, (laughs) really sad because it's, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's my little, um, peace of mind riding, teaching spin and riding the bike outside are, are my little freedom, my little piece of freedom. Um, 
I guess the one thing that I am happy about is that I can still teach um, spin. I'm just teaching off of the bike, yeah. which is fine. And I still get the energy from the class. They love it. Um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I, I have a great group of people who love to come to teach, to come to take class. I teach on Tuesday and Friday mornings at 7 a.m. And it's amazing. It's wonderful. Are um, you teaching in Dutch? No, I teach in English. Okay. Could <laughs> you teach in Dutch? Uh, klein beetje. <laughs> it's, klein beetje. <laughs> it's different words, right? I think when we learn a language and what, what you study and what you learn is one set. And then when we're teaching fitness, it's a whole other set or you're using words in different contexts, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. um, almost like I, I could just think of one term in yoga, like trying to translate the term of like riding the wave of your breath and how things don't translate literally in what we're saying. So I would imagine when it's not your first language, how hard it is to then apply what you actually want it to feel like. So that's why I'm just curious um, how you're doing with all of that. I will say, so my gym family is amazing, uh, the the gym that I teach at. Um, And to answer your question, yes, from a yoga perspective, definitely difficult um, because I've taken yoga courses uh, at the gym with uh, two of the instructors. And it's really nice because they will uh, teach both in English and in Dutch. So she'll say, like, give the instruction in, in, in Dutch first and then follow it in English. And as I've taken class, like I can follow it better in Dutch now. Um, but ironically enough, when you are taking spin and or some sort of like step aerobics class, yeah. much of the terminology that is used because English is so strong here, okay. these times they just say it in English anyway. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other thing that always blows me away. You know, we talk about traveling and meeting people and going different places. And unless you've done that travel, you don't realize how many people speak English and make it easy for us, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. We don't make it easy for a lot of people traveling to us in in that sense. But when we travel, there's always someone who knows English, always. Yes. And I will say that that is also a, a crippling factor for myself in learning Dutch because the moment a Dutch person hears you struggle in Dutch, they will switch to English. Mm. Um, and I believe the Netherlands, if I'm not mistaken, is the country that has the greatest population of English speakers outside of their native language, um, the largest percentage of English speakers, because you can go virtually anywhere in this country and not have to speak Dutch. Um, I will say that like once you get outside of the, the super populated cities, and out into the countryside, yes, it would behoove you to speak a little bit of Dutch. But um, I would say that for the most part, like everybody speaks English here and, and they don't uh, have a problem with switching to English for you. But I will say that I do my best, um, not necessarily here in Amsterdam, because most people here in the city, I would say, greet you in English because it is such an international city. Um, but when I go like to Tilburg or Nijmegen or any of the other cities, I try, if I'm in a store and I have a question, I try to ask in Dutch or speak in Dutch. So, yeah. Yeah. And living there, I mean, that is the key to really fostering that 
bilingual basis. Indeed. Have you been dreaming yet in, in Dutch? <laughs> I have not, but I did pass my A2 level courses. So uh, in January, I'm going to start back up. I decided after graduation that I was going to take a break, just give my, have a mental break yes, and uh, go back to taking classes, courses in uh, B1. And I believe now the the Dutch residency test is either B1 or B2. I want to say it's B1, um, but you have to be speaking at a B1 level in order to get residency here, which I can apply for uh, once I've been here for consecutive five years. Okay. So. Yeah. I love that they have a clear path. So you're on and you're on it. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am so I am. you, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, how important spinning is teaching, you know, that piece and also writing, but are there other things that you do for yourself that you consider important self-care pieces of your life? So I'm going to go back for just a moment to what you asked me earlier. Cause you said the accident, did it, yeah. did it change anything for me? Yeah. It's taught me to slow down. Oh, I love that. I, I mean, not that I love that you had to do that, but I mean, yeah, that's huge, right? It's really good for me because I am Miss Busybody, always going here, going there, doing this, doing that. I can't sit still. It's difficult for me to sit still. So this has taught me to slow down. So it's actually on Saturday mornings or, you know, even whenever Saturday nights, Friday nights or whatever night I choose to just kind of, yeah, I'll say Saturday and, and Sunday mornings, like to lay in bed and to like turn on Netflix and just lay in bed for a little while and not have to get up and get at it. Like it's, you know, just kind of ease into the day, which is, has been nice. And to, uh, I guess, really take the time to stop and smell the proverbial roses, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but other things as far as self-care, um, I wish that I could do yoga right now. I was doing very well with uh, being consistent and going to yoga on Monday nights, but because of my elbow, I can't go to class because I, I can't do that right now. Um, but I have definitely uh, taken more time of like going out to eat at restaurants that I want to try, mm -hmm. uh, going with friends to go do things, whether that's to a museum. We have tons of festivals here in the Netherlands. And like last weekend, um, I went to Glow in Eindhoven, which is a light festival. Ooh. And it was just really nice to like walk around and enjoy everything. So yeah, it's just uh, really being um, open to trying new things, going to try new restaurants. Um, as a post-graduation gift for myself, uh, I, I was actually in New York um, two weeks ago. Um, I was visiting my mother, but um, there is an artist, um, I say an artist, a music artist by the name of FKJ, who is French Kiwi Juice. He is a jazz multi-instrumentalist. Uh, and uh, I was introduced to him in 2018 and when I heard him, I just kind of got hooked. And then obviously the pandemic happened and I was like, God, I would love to see this man in concert. And lo and behold, he actually performed here in the Netherlands. He's from France originally. He's half French, half uh, Kiwi, so half New Zealander, hence the name French Kiwi Juice. Um, 
and he performed at the Lowlands Festival, which was here in the Netherlands, and it was sold out. And then he had two other concerts, which that's when I shattered my elbow, so I oh, couldn't get to either of those. But then he had already released his American tour dates, or North American tour dates. So while I was at my mom's, I actually rented a car and drove to Montreal, which is only about an hour from where my mom lives. <laughs> it was incredible. Um, so yes, I am all about music. Um, so it's nice to be able to like, uh, just go to a concert if I want to. And it, it's, it's awesome because I love the concert so much. I, he had just released his European tour date. So I'm, he's coming here to Amsterdam in March and I will see him again in March. So, wow. Yeah. I love that. So, That's um, so fun to be able to see someone you love in multiple places. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's nice. It's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, you seem as if with the slowdown and everything that you're doing, that you're just really appreciating where you are and being fully present. Yes. Do you 100%. think that because you love to travel and I think travel is a form of self-care. I love that too. Yes. And it, and you know, it, not that, not that it's like the hamster wheel. I have to get to this. I have to get to that. But you're sort of always thinking about where the next adventure will be. Mm-hmm. But now that you are living this adventure, it almost seems like contentment with where you are. Am I assuming that? Or do you think that's happening? Or are you in your mind already thinking about the next place you're going to? Uh, kind of a combination of the two. Um, so my love language, my number one love language is quality time. And mm-hmm. ironically enough, I uh, was looking, um, I'm going to look at something really quick here on my phone and I'm going to share it with you. Um, I was on Instagram the other day and actually one of my friends sent this to me and it was um, self-love practices based on your love language. And I fully feel like I am doing this with myself. So um, self-love practices with quality time as your love language, taking yourself on a date, reading a book or watching a movie, lots of journaling, getting up early or staying up late to get in quality alone time with yourself, spending time out in nature, moments of complete presence and silence deep in your meditation practice, set a picnic up for yourself. So definitely... um, being choosy, doing the things that I want to do, not because I have to do them or because Mm -hmm. I'm on somebody else's schedule. But, you know, it's like the FKJ concert. I was like, it's in Montreal and I realize I have to drive, but you know what? I want to go there. So I'm going to, and it's like next weekend, um, I'm going to Paris. And, you know, it's nice because like living here, everything is such easy to easy access to get to it. And so I'm going to spend the weekend in Paris and it's like, oh, this is awesome. Over the summer, I went to Italy. I had some friends that were visiting from the U.S. and uh, I spent uh, four days in Verona and Lake Garda. And it was just nice because I could relax. And I went to a wedding in Toulouse and uh, the wedding was in a chateau. And I mean, to be in the French countryside, like amongst the sunflowers was just incredible. So it's truly like uh, selecting. I I mean, I guess you could say being intentional and and picky, if you want to say I'm picky, selective of how I spend my time now. 
Yeah. I love that. And I think too, some of that comes as we age, mm -hmm. you know, just natural. Um, yeah. And then from life experiences and often even times a setback, like an accident, yeah. it's that moment of, okay, you know, what, what is really the most important thing for me right now? Right. Cause again, we tend to be always looking at the next piece. So I love the self-love practices based on your love language, though. I'm going to have to look that up. I can, um, I will send it to you. <laughs> and as you say that, I realize that those are a lot of things that I try to practice as well. So maybe that's my self-love language also. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there like a, so you have family there, which is great. And you're getting to know your brother. Is there ever a sense of loneliness because you've, taken on this, you know, new journey and you're living there and, you know, your mom's in a different place and your dad's in a different place and there you are like, or that's not really an emotion that bothers you or frequents you. Um, I wouldn't say that it's a, a something that frequents me. Um, my parents divorced when I was so young. Um, my dad really wasn't there. So as far as like missing my dad, um, yes, of course I miss him because he's my father, but um, being away from him doesn't really bother me. And I would say that the same is uh, holds true for my mother, just because mm -hmm. she raised me to be such an independent person. Um, but I will say that, uh, and, and I'll share this with everyone, uh, part of the reason why I came back to the United States uh, or to New York a few weeks ago was because... I noticed uh, a change in my mom's behaviors and demeanor. And so uh, coming back, um, I'm 99.9% .9 sure that she has Alzheimer's, but it's it's a bummer because trying to convince her uh, to get an MRI uh, to be officially diagnosed, she refuses to think that anything is wrong with her. So um, that is something that is starting to weigh heavy on my mind because yeah. I am her only child and, you know, I don't want to see my mom go to an assisted living center because, I mean, I don't want to just, you know, oh, hey, I'm going to put my mom in here and they'll take care of her. That's that's not the attitude that I have. But at the same time, it's like I've busted my tail to get here and to be here in the Netherlands. So just trying to figure out what next steps will be for her. And um, God bless my father because he even offered to have my mom come down and live with him in Florida and be her caretaker. Wow. Um, I think that really uh, speaks a lot about my father and the type of person he is, even though um, my parents, like, you know, obviously they're divorced and they divorced for a reason, but um, he was like, even though we've been divorced, I took a vow at one point in my life to, love for better, for worse in sickness and in health. And he was like, I still love your mother. We have you. And he was like, I will take care of her. Cause I don't want to see her go to a home either. Wow. So that really touched me. I don't know That's if that beautiful. will happen. That is just beautiful to say that out loud. I mean, for him to, wow, really yeah. amazing. That takes a special person to say that. Yeah, it does. And, uh, it's funny because my dad has never really been an emotional person, um, at least in front of me that I've seen. Um, he's the man that doesn't cry. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen my father cry twice now. Uh, and my dad had a lot going on this year. 2022 has been a lot. Um, in December, actually, of last year, he had two heart attacks right before Christmas. Oh, 
Oh my gosh. And then he had another one in May after coming here to the Netherlands to visit and then going back. So um, he has had an ICD installed um, in his chest. So that's an intracardiac defibrillator. So it's actually attached to his cell phone. So if it goes off, then I guess there's some sort of system that it contacts the hospital. Um, So if it, if it, happens so technology is incredible isn't it it is i mean that's a peace of mind for you as well you know that's a lot of worry when you have ailing parents no matter how far away you are whether they're five minutes away or you know a big plane ride away it's still a worry yeah so uh yeah just um the the loneliness part i guess maybe would come into play within my personal life just because i'm single right now Um, I was in a relationship with a gentleman, um, before I left Texas, uh, from 2017 to 2019, it didn't really end well. And, um, it kind of left me a little jaded. Mm. Um, and so, uh, the irony, I guess, of that is, you know, working on myself, it really made me take a step back. Um, and for all of those that are listening to this, if you ever feel like you need to talk to somebody or, you know, keep your thoughts like to yourself, don't do that. Talk to somebody. It's okay to go to counseling. Um, I was in counseling for, I guess, I think a total of five years to deal with different, different issues. But yeah, I would say that being able to just air your thoughts to a, uh, a non-biased party is, can make a world of difference. Definitely. I love that you said that out loud. People definitely need to hear that. And I would imagine from your work with university students, which I know, you know, my work here on campus with university students, I am so happy that these students are more open about counseling and going to counseling than my generation ever was. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really refreshing to have it be more normalized. Um, I think that's wonderful. And I think it's one thing that I really hold true to myself. Um, Just because when I did work in college athletics, I had a couch in my office. Mm. And being a compliance officer, obviously, people don't necessarily want to come talk to me because I'm the the bad lady. (laughs) rule enforcer but um it was nice because uh when they did come in i'd be like hey sit down tell me what's going on right and more oftentimes than not i would have students come just park it on the couch and talk to me i'm like hey just talk to me tell me what's going on you know i'd have cry sessions not me me personally but having student athletes just pour their hearts out and cry and i'm like it's okay i'm here to listen to you I'm here to be a mentor, an advisor. I mean, I can just listen if you want, or I can give you advice. You just tell me what you want. Um, so in the in the, the reverse of that, it's I too uh, enjoy being able to just have somebody, a sounding board to bounce my thoughts off of and, and to have somebody to talk to. So um, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, personal life is difficult. I will say that (laughs) dating is difficult. Um, This is where I envy um, those who are in uh, 
you know, marriages that have, have been going on for, for ages. And uh, it makes me wonder when people celebrate, you know, 30, 40, 50 years together. It's like, here I am 40 years old. <laughs> am I ever going to have that with somebody? Mm-hmm. So those are questions that do come to mind. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I just, I leave that. I, I do believe in God. I was raised Catholic, but I don't necessarily just subscribe to Catholicism. Um, having lived in many different places in my life, um, I'm open to many different things. And uh yeah, I uh, I still have have faith and hope that my my person is out there, and uh, who knows, I may have met him while I was in Vermont. So, <laughs> oh, oh my, okay, well that'll be part two. <laughs> so I think what's so good about the way things have transpired the last few years, just looking at you living away and family. There is so much more opportunity to contact via Zoom. You know, we're using this podcast software to see each other. And the good thing is more people have access to get to connect, even if you're not in person. So I think that that for sure helps, you know, when you're dealing with family abroad and um, you know, just those points. Yeah. I mean, as much as technology has like uh, alienated us in some instances, because I mean, all you see are people like walking around like this glued to their phones. Yes. Um, But at the same time, it does this where we can talk across an ocean, across however many time zones, wherever your loved ones are. Yeah. Um, And that's something that I'm truly appreciative of. And I think especially when I lived in Bangladesh uh, in 2014, it was great because my mom and I would talk once a week on Skype. Mm. Yeah. I remember that. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was great. And uh, I'm thankful for technology in that instance. Yeah. It's definitely helped. I, I always ask my one last and final question to my guests. And I, I mean, we've been, talking about this all along, but maybe not in this context, but the idea of treating your own self as if you're your own best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you do that intentionally? Do you think you are good at that? I just look at, for me, when this came up, how I, the language I use to care for friends and other people is often very different than the language and how I care for myself. So I've been Careful. So I'm asking you, how are you about being your own best friend? I would say it's a struggle. Yeah. Um, It is something that I have to work on daily um, because, of course, uh, I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, we are our own worst critic. Yeah. Um, So like you, um, I try to encourage and push others, my friends, acquaintances, my students in class and, and everything. Um, but then when it comes to myself, it's like, Oh, like I didn't do that. Like it, it kills me right now because, you know, I look at, look at myself because I can't work out like I normally do. And it's like, Oh, like my pants are getting tight. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like one of those things that like, you know, I go back to, this is also difficult because I used to bodybuild. So dealing with body dysmorphia from a fitness perspective, that's difficult. But at the same time, um, 
I've worked on it in a sense of like the allowing yourself to slow down. It's okay. Like it's okay if you lay in bed till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning and watch Netflix. Nobody's gonna, you don't have to answer to anybody. Yeah. Like it's okay. It's okay if you, you know, don't want to go to the office today because it's pouring down rain. You can work from home. That's allowed. So it's, it's allowing yourself to have grace, Mm. giving yourself grace. Um, And it's, you know, I've made baby steps and it's, you know, it's a process. So just take it one day at a time. Yeah. I think that is a very healthy perspective because we would tell that to our friend, like you don't have to be amazing at it all the time. Um, But when we flip that lens on ourselves, it's, it's a lot, there's a lot of self-talk. Yeah. And it's, it's like this accident. I mean, obviously, you know, if you WhatsApp me, uh, you can see that my, it doesn't say Shalana, it says Wonder Woman. (laughs) And (laughs) Wonder Woman is injured right now and has become the bionic woman. So Wonder Woman's not quite as strong um, as she once was. Um, And yeah, it's a, it's a, um, an eye opener. I guess Um, when I've been in physical therapy, um, I actually was just cleared uh, last Friday by the doctor to start lifting again. And um, I was with my physio on Saturday morning and he handed me uh, two weights um, that were six kilograms each, which, you know, that's like what, 12 pounds. Mm -hmm. And um, I uh, picked them up and he was like, okay, where I was laying on the ground and he wanted me to just do a dumbbell press, just like a, a press. And when I went to like press the weights together, I was like, oh my God, this is so hard. <laughs> oh. And I was like, I just looked at the weight and I was like, this is pitiful. Like, and it, my right side is fine. It's just my left side. Like, I'm just thinking like, I'm so weak. Like this is so so unlike me, but it's like, you know, just be patient with yourself. Like you have muscle memory, you will get back to it just one step at a time. So yeah. yeah. It's always so humbling when something that you took for granted is now a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, it goes to the counseling as well, but never be afraid to ask for help. Mm. So, yeah. 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 I think that that's also a stretch for a lot of us. Yeah. And they're simple things, really, right? Loving yourself, caring for yourself, being on this journey as humans. Most everything is very simple. Just treat yourself well, right? Physically, what you put in your body, the movement and care for yourself. Yeah. And it's like, when you say it like that, it's, oh, of course, but the doing it, not that easy. Walking the walk and talking the talk. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it can be a challenge at times, but for sure, um, it's something that we should all, you know, work on 100%. Um, you know, whether that's writing down your goals, I always find that writing your goals down on a piece of paper makes it much easier um, to achieve them. And maybe not necessarily even just writing them down, but then writing them on the mirror. Yeah. 
So when you wake up in the morning and you go to the bathroom and you're looking at the mirror and it says, hey, this is my goal for this month or this week or this year, um, I have dry erase markers in my bathroom and I write those as I think it's fun. Um, that way, you know, you have this goal in mind and it's always there looking at you. So right. it's uh, it's not pressure. I don't look at it as pressure. I just look at it as kind of motivation. Mm. So I love that idea. So many great little tidbits of things that, <laughs> and it's nice, you know, you don't share the bathroom. So no one's in there like, what the heck did you just write on this mirror for? <laughs> I've had friends though that uh, that have come over and they'll use use the bathroom and they're like, "What is this?" <laughs> What's really funny is that here in the Netherlands, most of the time the toilet is separate from the bathroom, so it's not in the room where the toilet is or the water okay. closet. It is okay. in the uh, the actual bathroom. So, so that helps in the environment you're in. <laughs> Your friend group doesn't think you're nuts with all of these things written on the wall. Oh my gosh! Never nuts. Never nuts. So. <laughs> Um, it's been so lovely to chat with you and to catch up. And I love how you were so intentional about making your way back to the Netherlands, something that was calling out to you. And it's not easy to make those decisions. So I really admire your ability to make that happen. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And thank you for this opportunity to to have this chat with you. It's been a pleasure. And it's, uh, it's certainly good to see you, even though the, the listeners can't see us, but it's definitely good to see you. And I <laughs> hope that we get to see each other again. <laughs> I hope we're in a sweaty room with a lot of bikes and all of our other people. Yes. yes. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I'll make my way over to the Netherlands. <laughs> you should. 100%. And you have a place to stay. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, it really has been lovely. I really appreciate you. You have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you. Yes, Shalena, thank you so much. Honestly, I loved hearing all of your story. I knew bits and pieces from our short time together and from following you. I would say it's one of my favorite things about being connected on Facebook is getting to watch people do incredible things uh, and know where they are in their journey. So thank you for just sharing all that you have and we're wishing you all the best as you create your new life out in the Netherlands, which is just such a fabulous story. I'm sure I will see you on a bike somewhere soon. Listeners, thank you to all of you for tuning in. I want to thank the team who puts this together, to Renette Chafu, the producer, and David DeRose, executive producer, and to Scott Holmes for the theme music. Um, this actually concludes season five of Living Well While Living Online, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. I truly cannot believe I get to share these conversations with so many incredible guests who have really delivered so much of themselves and to all of us. To me, it feels like I get to share a glass of wine or a cup of coffee with them and we are just fully engrossed in the moment. And then I love that I get to share all of that with you. There is so much to learn from each of us. Um, I'm reminded of something that one of our guests shared a few episodes back from Dawn, one of the soul sisters uh, of the Bringing Joy group. Um, and she said that we are all storytellers with a beautiful story to share. And while the season might come to a close, 
I'm encouraging and inviting all of you to continue the story on your own, right? Wherever you are, with whomever you are, self-care, well-being, mental health, awareness, connection. We are all out there doing the work and trying to be okay. Sharing stories will get us through. There is strength and power in the story. So I'm wishing you all the best in the weeks to come. I am hugging you big and I am grateful for all of your time and attention. And until we meet again, my friends, breathe deep, be intentional, and learn to be your own best friend.